0: Welcome back to Amplifying Voices, a FAC anthology podcast from partisan in politics, policies, history, people, and California community colleges. The podcast is brought to you by the Communications Committee for the Faculty Association of California Community Colleges. I'm your host, Ryan Tripp. I'll be chatting today with Evan Hawkins, entering into his last month or so as director of FAC. This podcast, I suppose, will serve as his farewell interview. Welcome back, Evan, to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's so good to be back. Oh, you know it is.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, so to start, please provide your background prior to your entry, any entry, into the California Community College system.
1: Yeah, so going way back here. Uh, and it all, it all does sort of connect to, to where I am now today. So I appreciate starting with this question. I was born in Los Angeles, and when I was about eight years old or so, my family uh, moved up to uh, a town called Auburn, California, where I grew up and uh, went to school and graduated from uh, high school. Um, So that's all kind of before community colleges, because in fact, in some ways, that's after community colleges, because I started taking courses at Sierra College, which was uh, my local community college when I was in high school. Uh, So I was fortunate enough, thanks to uh, support from my family, that I was taking courses in uh, sort of a number of different things in my sophomore, junior, and senior years. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess that's before community colleges. I feel like everything else is post-community colleges. So I guess that answers your question. All right. I've
0: been to Auburn. It's a nice town.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: All right how did you become involved with California Community Colleges? Uh, Were you a student? What happened?
1: Yeah, so started becoming a student by taking some courses, uh, as I mentioned, during high school. Um, The courses I took were varied. I I took like a couple computer repair courses. Um, That's something I was just interested at the time. Uh, As a matter of fact, I I used that skill set uh, a few years ago during COVID when I built a computer, uh, which was really fun to kind of be able to do that and and have that skill set from those courses I took. I also took some music courses during that time. uh, And it just so happened that while not all the credits I took during that time period were transferable uh, when I went on to transfer, uh, I think 10 units were. So uh, by the time I uh, finished high school, I knew I was going to be transitioning to uh, Sierra College uh, full-time. And I had 10 units already. So that was kind of unintentional, I guess, from my perspective. Maybe my parents kind of knew that's how it would work out, but uh, it sort of made my next two years at the community college a lot easier. Um, I was able to take about 12 units a semester rather than 15. I also did summer school, which helped. And then I also was able to do study abroad when I was um, at a uh, community college, too. So I think uh, starting early was was really beneficial for me. And I know sort of just to kind of uh, step back a little bit, I, you know, the conversations we've had at the state level in terms of dual enrollment, I think, are are very interesting to me. Uh, while they may not, you know, fit or suit everybody in every circumstance, but, uh, certainly I, I commend the effort to try to uh, enhance dual enrollment for those students it works for because for me it worked really well. So I was a student, I was a very proud, uh, and still am a very proud student, at uh, Sierra College graduate, which I uh, mentioned frequently <laughs> to people. Anybody wants to listen.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, please elucidate your path to the fac- to Faculty Association of California Community Colleges. Um, you already kind of alluded to your degrees, but leadership, activities, uh, etc.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really fortunate, uh, the, the story here. So, um, so after I completed my studies at Sierra College, I went on to transfer to UC Berkeley. Um, and when I transferred, I had no what I wanted to do career-wise. There were things that I was passionate about, history, political science, and that's ultimately, essentially what I uh, majored in. So I knew I was interested in that, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And um, at, at my time at UC Berkeley, I did some internships, worked at a law firm, uh, did, helped with uh, tutoring, uh, SAT prep, um, and a few other things I did here and there. But it wasn't until I graduated that I found the internship that really started this whole thing for me, which is through the UC Center. I was talking about the UC Center today, in fact, with our student coordinators uh, here at FAC. And essentially what that was, it was an opportunity to have an internship. Uh, for me, it was in uh, an assembly member's district office. And then also uh, take some courses, political science courses that were very relevant to uh, the internship uh, and also to California specifically. So which was really nice. I think I to see Berkeley, a lot of the political science was either internationally or uh, nationally uh, at a federal level. And, and, and for me, you know, the state of California is where I was born it's where I've lived my whole life. And it's really a fascinating place politically and, and policy wise. So, um, so to be able to hone in on that, I was just really engaged and interested in uh, that also happened to be in the year 2008, which was when a presidential election was happening. That was when uh, former President Obama ran for the first time. Uh, I was super engaged in, uh, in his message. And uh, ultimately, those two things combined really uh, directed me towards a path working in policy and politics. So um, from there, after graduating and doing the internship, I worked on a few campaigns during the 08 election cycle. After that election cycle, I worked for the local Democratic Party uh, and then did some consulting, similar like organizing work that I had been doing on the political side uh, for various organizations. And at that time, I also was a, uh, the political director for the Sacramento County Young Democrats uh, in a volunteer role, helping to help them uh, through their endorsement process of endorsing candidates for local office mostly. And while I was there, the president of the um, Young Democrats had gotten an email from uh, someone from FAC that said, hey, we're looking for a membership director do you know of anybody and he forwarded it to me because he knew i was a community college graduate and i really was passionate about community colleges and for me it was just an awesome opportunity i was definitely interested in getting involved in community college policy uh and it just was again very fortunate the opportunity arose Uh, i applied um and was was selected in 2012. so uh it's really sort of amazing how it all happened obviously uh, like anything, there's there's some luck involved, which there was, but uh, I think for me, my background, what I was interested in my community college experience made it a really good fit for FAC as well. Uh, and as I always like to say, sort of uh, the rest is history. All right.
0: Uh, what are the circumstances? Uh, you kind of already, again, alluded to this, but if you can elaborate on the circumstances of your initial engagement with FAC, um, and then also uh, your, your role in membership and additional uh roles that you took
1: on yeah so uh, my initial role yeah as, as i mentioned was membership director and a big part of that was if you can imagine trying to get more members in the organization back is uh really the you know our members are our lifeblood as my uh predecessor jonathan lightman would always say and he's 100 percent correct is you know having members allows us to be stronger as advocates you know the more numbers that we have when we go in the Capitol and we say we represent you know, 10,000, 11,000 faculty, that that resonates more than one or 2,000 faculty, of course. And then, you know, dues uh, are what brings in uh, the revenue to the organization that allows us to achieve our mission and, and our vision. So uh, so having that role was obviously really important. Um, and and I, I took it that way. Uh, I understood that, you know, we needed more members, but also I just enjoyed interacting and communicating with faculty. I didn't really say this, but when I was at a community college, the reason I was so successful there, because I frankly wasn't very successful in high school, was the faculty. the The ability to have these small classes, engaged with faculty who were experts in their field, always and uh, sometimes experts in their career too. And, and And in their career at the time, I remember having faculty who were uh, journalists um, teaching English classes. I just thought that was really neat. So, um, so I just always really engaged really well with faculty when I was a student, and then that transitioned easily into this role. And for me, you know, some people could say a membership role is kind of like a sales role. In some ways I suppose it is as we're trying to get more members. But for me, I I never viewed it that way. It was just a great opportunity to learn and meet just incredible people who have dedicated their lives to uh, our our system and our students. And I really just feel super fortunate to be able to do that. And and through those conversations and through building those relationships, I was able to have, uh, uh, I would say, a lot of success. Um, in, in bringing new members into the organization, joining the organization, joining committees, running for the board, and some of them are still on the board and have, have served in those leadership positions. So I'm just—I I feel really grateful to be able to have, uh, have started off in that role and, and grown from it. All right. Um, so you've—I
0: uh, I, keep—I keep jumping ahead here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all connected. Uh, if you can uh, elaborate a bit more on who you worked with and some of your early accomplishments?
1: Yeah, so um, I, you know, worked closely with Jonathan. He taught me so much. He was Jonathan Lightman, in fact, executive director, was such a successful membership recruiter. Um, and in his own right, I think he exuded passion and expertise and knowledge in a way that I um, really sort of learned a lot from and, and tried to take that on in my own way. I think for me, coming into the job as, a twenty-something year old, I didn't necessarily have the confidence that was probably required to, you know, uh, speak in authoritative position to be able to convince people to join, to spend their money on this organization. But I learned from him and just learned from doing. Honestly, really learned from the faculty I met with because everyone was so friendly, even when I was new. You know, everyone is so friendly and understanding. So, you know, learned a lot of just how to engage with people in general in this capacity and. Um, but mostly just how to, you know, learn and listen uh, from faculty in particular and and about sort of the challenges and the faculty face, but also the great things that faculty love about their job. So being able to learn about those just helped me with every subsequent conversation I had with a faculty member. Um, And really, again, proud of the accomplishments of just bringing a lot more folks into the organization, specifically during my time as membership director was able to bring in uh, a couple different uh, unions to become partners, as we call a FAC contract membership. So every member of the union also becomes a member of FAC. I think those are probably two of my biggest accomplishments as membership director, because it just brought so many more people into the organization. Um, and, and, and those sort of agreements don't happen that frequently. So um, looking back, I would say uh, that's my biggest accomplishment, but also in addition, all the people that I, was able to talk to and persuade, I guess you could say, into taking on leadership roles in the organization and seeing them flourish and move the organization forward is also a huge accomplishment.
0: All right, to be pretty straightforward, how did you become director?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So I mentioned Jonathan a lot. He announced his retirement and uh, the position was open. And you know, before he announced his retirement, it wasn't necessarily something I thought I was gonna be doing, certainly at that point in my career being the executive director of any organization. I had just previously in the years prior to that been promoted to associate director. So I was taking, I was supporting Jonathan and doing a lot of uh, partnering with him in a lot of the work that he did as executive director and seeing it. So in seeing it firsthand and gaining a little bit more confidence and knowing what the job entailed, I thought, you know, why don't I throw my hat in the ring? I feel like I could be good at this job. I have um, obviously been working for the organization. At that time, it had been, I think, maybe six years or so, um, six or seven years. I really, I've, obviously, as you can tell, I really enjoy working for the organization, but specifically the people within the organization. Um, so I thought, you know, what the heck, I'll apply. Uh, and I did, and, you know, after the interview round, I, I was, the, um, the board selected me uh, in December of 2018. Um, and then I started in January of 2019, so started really quickly. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's how I got the job. All right. Uh,
0: so you 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 sort of shepherded back through the pandemic. Um, you know what were difficulties that you faced, but were you know what was was there any, anything facilitating, and how did you um, overcome them or embrace? um yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, it's a great question, Ryan. I think for all of us that were wherever we were that. Moment in time. I mean, certainly we're still dealing with the impacts of COVID, but I think for all of us, we're going to sort of remember that time period. And in some ways, for me, I, I think back and it's kind of a blur, maybe just because I was inside my house so much. It's a, like, you know, but <laughs> but um, I, you know, I think I just I just remember our advocacy and policy conference in 2020 was a week before the governor basically said, "All right, you know, we're gonna." you know as people like to call now shut down uh you know we're we're going to sort of you know take this huge step of basically trying to prevent the spread of this virus and um you yeah, know this is new to all of us and you know I remember thinking uh okay so we were at AMP there were people that were concerned about it we were all walking our hands a lot. We weren't hugging each other. <laughs> you know, we didn't realize it was what it was. Fortunately, no one got sick that I'm aware of at that conference. And then a week later, boom, you know, I tell the staff, all right, I guess we're working from home. And, and to a certain extent, we were able to do that. A lot of us had worked from home here and there. Some of us were permanently working from home. So doing that wasn't particularly challenging. We have a great staff. and but But it was just crazy that you know, we had all thought it would just be a few weeks of doing that, and it ended up being two years, I think, where we were mostly just working from home with, you know, occasional in-person meetings towards the tail end of that. So, you know, getting through it, I still look back, I, I'm i just amazed that we were able to, to do it. I think it shows to how cohesive our team is internally in terms of our staff, but also our board, uh, being able to navigate all that. Our president at the time, Debbie Klein, did just a phenomenal job helping navigate the organization through that time period of so much uncertainty. Uh, we had a state budget, I remember, we thought was, we were gonna be in a huge recession, so we're preparing for that. Then all of a sudden, we're in a huge budget surplus, and we're accomplishing incredible advocacy feats that we never had, including you know hundreds of million dollars, millions of dollars to hire new faculty and support part-time faculty with healthcare. So just some significant wins we had specifically on the budget side during that time period. Um, and you know, a lot of adjusting how we do business, if you will. A lot more of our events became virtual. Our board meetings now are virtual. Not all of them, but a lot of them uh, on Zoom meetings. Way more meeting with legislators on Zoom meetings. Everything's changed, and you know, we were able to adapt. I think relatively quickly, and and I'm really grateful for that. But mostly, I'm just really impressed by how our members adapted i mean you all and ryan i'm sure you know you have plenty of stories about this as well had to turn on a dime from you know being in person to having a spring break and then boom your whole class was online and and the fact that faculty did that so well to me is just astonishing and and to speak to the incredible skill set and the incredible passion and how amazing our faculty are at the community colleges and and although at the time i think there was a lot of recognition about how difficult that was and a lot of appreciation for faculty I think some of that's been lost, and I think we need to recognize that our faculty really are incredible and are able to do just amazing things. And so when I look back at that time, I think about what we did as an organization, but I also think about what our members did uh, to serve students.
0: Kudos on that, I'll definitely support that. (laughs) All right, Uh, so why have you decided to step up from your role as director and what's next for you?
1: Yeah, I appreciate this question is stepping up. Uh, I I feel like it is in terms of my life. I uh, have an, an eight month old daughter. And, um, you know, for me, I've worked for FACT for 11 years and, you know, my, and even the few years before that of working, as I shared earlier, it's been, you know, my number one goal and everything I focused on is my career, which has been great. It's obviously paid dividends and I'm so grateful for that time. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but at this point in my life, I'm ready to shift to my number one priority being uh, my family and my my daughter. And um, this job, while incredible, is also very demanding. um, And. It's a job where I have to be ready to uh, deal with any problem that comes up at any moment in time. and uh, for what I want to do and the amount of time I want to have spending with my daughter and my family, it's just not compatible. I decided. Um, but I still wanted to be involved uh, in in this space and doing this work, but just in a much more flexible way with less hours. Uh, you know, I think that yeah, I suppose as a millennial we have, uh, the sort of the stereotype of prioritizing work-life balance, and and perhaps that's what it what it was for me at this moment in time in my life. But you know that's the decision I made, and um, and I appreciate the support that I've received from the organization, and just really excited that I'm still going to have a role with FAC, a consulting role, uh, as we kind of enter in a transition period ahead of hiring the next executive director, um, where I can still be around doing the work I really enjoy to do, uh, and really kind of creating that balance that I wanted to achieve, and. Um, you know, I'm just happy to again have the support of the board and and our staff to be able to uh, to do that. So um, yeah, so that that's why I'm stepping up, and I'm you know it, it's bittersweet. Uh, 11 years as a more than 11 years as a FAC uh, staff member. Um, it, it's a long time, and 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 through that time period, I've had so many life milestones, and I'm so grateful to have shared those with. You know all my FAC family, and uh, again, glad I'm continuing to do so in a different capacity. But it is kind of uh, the end of an era for me, but uh, but one I am excited for.
0: I wish you well on that.
1: Uh, so, in retrospect,
0: you kind of already alluded to this, but if you could uh, kind of uh, not harp on it, but elucidate this, in retrospect, what do you hope your legacy will be for F.A.C.T. and California Community
1: Colleges? Yeah, it's it's something that I honestly haven't thought about too much, but once i read the question i was like yeah i this, this is a really interesting question for me to think about i you know i'm the type of person that i'm very passionate and get very um uh involved maybe too much maybe to the detriment of my mental health in 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 our, our wins and our losses if you will uh and uh you know i i think while we've had a lot of success and i've talked a lot about that previously you know it's we've also had a lot of challenges i think the role of community colleges, who our community colleges uh, serve in terms of being open access institutions, in terms of what we offer, it's sort of really being challenged in a, in a unique way and, and, and a very difficult way for me that I am. And it's sometimes, honestly, personally offended by as a former community college student that there perspectives of, of our community colleges and, and specifically the faculty that teach at our community colleges that I see as being very negative and, and cynical. And and you know I I I want my legacy to be that we defended the mission of community colleges as we see it. We defended our faculty, who are the most important part of student success, and, and we did so in a very effective way that will allow us in the future as an organization in the years ahead to um, turn the tide a bit on that narrative uh, of of uh, of our community colleges and and really sort of. Uh, as we like to say a lot, and uh, uh, which is you know to put the community back in community colleges, to have community colleges that are focused on much more than just transfer, uh, that are focused on what the students want to achieve, uh, that offer any educational path that a student in a, in a state in the community wants, and that could be anything from transferring, which I don't want to downplay it. Transferring is huge. It really is a huge part of what we do. I transferred, right? I, I, I'm i not trying to say we shouldn't do transfer, but I'm trying to think of our other students who may want to go to community college for other reasons, whether it's workforce or just to gain skills or to do anything that connects them to their communities. I think at this moment in time, where I sit at least, while we certainly recognize our economy needs more, you know, uh, um. Uh, Workers with with, with, uh, four-year degrees and two-year degrees, I recognize that, and that should be a priority, but I also recognize that our communities need, and our state and our country needs to heal in terms of the division, the misinformation, you know, everything that's happening out there that's so divisive for our ability to, well, be communities and a community together. Um, I think community colleges with the most diverse student population with them being seen as, again, connected to their communities, I think have such a critical role to kind of be ahead or above the really negative aspects of what I'll just say are politics, because unfortunately, everything is politics nowadays, is, as, as we're sitting here listening now uh, on December 1st, 2023, and the politics of education are fierce and 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 again, cynical, through so many different ways and have been for a few years, I think, you know, I want, as I'm, as I'm sort of maybe going a little bit of tangent here, you know, I really want our, uh, our colleges to be places where we are pushing back against that. And I think they are just by the sake that they exist as open access institutions that anyone can go to that again, serves the most diverse student population. Diversity in so many different ways, obviously, racial and ethnically, uh, but also by age, uh, by rural, by urban. Uh, by what they're doing at the community college, what they did previously in their life before that, I think it's such a great melting pot, if you will, uh, to be able to be a a different uh, example of where we could be headed uh, as people <laughs> in this country. I know that's sort of uh, that's maybe zooming out a, a lot more than maybe what this question asked for, but yeah, uh, but fun. really, really, I mean, because our community college serves so many students, I, I really believe that we have that ability to. Do do uh, uh, the healing role. I guess I'll just call it that because that's what's in my head. Uh, as as we sort of move forward as a as a state and as a country, and and I don't know. I don't I don't want to overs. I mean, the question was my legacy. I don't know how much of a role I have in doing that, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> in accomplishing that. But I think we all have a little piece of it. And uh, and I think through my eleven years of, of fact, but but most recently in the last five years, you know, I I really hope that I position the organization to be able to. Put towards that reality um, in the future.
0: Well, if not the face of fact, you certainly have been a cornerstone in ideas and organization and implementation for uh, quite a number of years. And, uh, you know, your your absence is going to be pretty notable. So hopefully it'll be kind of like an absent presence, <laughs> along those lines. Uh, so uh, I'm sure everybody has thanked you. A billion times uh, for uh, what you've done for the association. And um, well, but once again, uh, not just communicate on the communications committee, but everyone, in fact, member and not a member, will really, really, really appreciate what you've
1: done. I appreciate that, right? I, and it just before we end, I, I appreciate you. I mean, you've done such a great job with this podcast. This is my third time here. You've taken the lead on it. You know, when when the idea came to me about a podcast, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Let's see where it goes. And it's phenomenal. I always listen to the podcast. You have just incredible people on here. So uh, please keep doing it. Ryan, it's really, really good. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we'll see. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh... And I'm always happy to come back on. If you need somebody, I mean, I you know, I I can come on and talk about whatever. You know, I've, I'm really diving into all sort of the AI stuff and how that's impacting colleges. I have a blog that that was just uh, posted on that. So if you ever want to talk about that stuff (laughs) on (laughs) that. I certainly will, my friend. (laughs) All right. Well, uh,
0: that does it for this episode, folks. Uh, Evan, thanks for uh, joining us. This podcast has been a production of the Communications Committee of the Faculty Association of California Community Colleges. Please tune in next time.